You are now listening to the Verify Phenoms podcast. In this show, we speak with individuals who have come from all walks of life and have overcome the mental limitations of imposter syndrome, perfectionism, and overthinking. Get your notebook ready and stay tuned to learn how you can win your mental battles and become a verifying phenom as well. Welcome back. Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of Verified Phenoms. Whatever day you're listening to this, good day to you. I was about to say happy Monday, but <laughs> I just realized that everybody may not be listening to this on a Monday unless you're trying to get your week started off right. Today, we have with us a very special guest. We have with us Hannah, Hannah Balliot. She is a passionate and purposeful leader of the social media department at the Ugly Mug Marketing. Over the past four years, Hannah has grown her department by over 340%. She has worked alongside hundreds of small business owners and entrepreneurs as they navigate the ever-changing digital marketing landscape. Hannah, happy Monday. How are you doing? Happy Monday to you. I'm doing awesome, especially now that I'm here. <laughs> oh, man, I love to hear. Let's go ahead and get it started. So uh, what I want to do is get some rapid fire questions out of the way, just so we kind of get those interview jitterbugs out of us. All right. Sound good with you? Yeah. Love it. Let's All go. Right. All right. Cool. So first question, what could you do every day and not get bored? Ooh, what could I do every day and not get bored? I am definitely, you know, like some people are like, are you a mountains person or a beach person? And I feel like especially living in North Carolina, you get asked that all the time, y'all, yeah. because everyone's like, the triangle's the best of both worlds. You're three hours from the mountains and like a couple hours from the beach. Um, yeah. I'm definitely a beach person. I could sit on the beach all day, every day, not get bored, reading a book, having a drink, like mm-hmm. laying out, just people watching, like being on the beach every day, not get bored. <laughs> I feel that. I'm the same way, but on a on like on a ship, I could be in the ocean all day, every day. I love Ooh. that. Would you rather be rich, funny, or smart? Oh. Hmm. I feel like if you are smart. You could probably become rich. But I also feel that about being funny, okay? So I think I'd rather be funny. (laughs) All right. In your opinion, what is the greatest invention of all time? Ooh, Zapier. I don't know if you are familiar... Y'all, I'm not, I'm not joking. Like Zapier has made my life so much easier in the, like in the workspace. It has made my clients' lives better. Like I'm telling y'all, if you don't know what Zapier is, come on, we need to automate something it's, like in our businesses or in our lives. Get with it. Yes. Yes. All right. It's a rainy Saturday. What's on your agenda? Ooh, we are probably going to a brewery and football is on all day long. We love like football season is big in our household. So (laughs) we got the fantasy teams going. We're watching. We got red zone on over here. We're watching college game day. Like we're doing all the things. So yes, that's what's happening. (laughs) Love it. What's something that can always make you laugh? Something that can always make me laugh. I feel like my husband. Ain't no telling what's Aww. about to come out of his mouth. I <laughs> seriously, I'm just like we were in the car the other day, and I'm just like, where, what, 
what, how do you even think of this stuff? Yes. He always keeps me on my toes and laughing. <laughs> and last, what is the best re- advice you've ever received? Oh, that is such a good question. Um, I think one of the best pieces of advice I've ever received was from our pastors in Louisiana. They told us for our first year of marriage, try not to spend um, a lot of time apart. Like try not to do like the girls trips and the guys trips and stuff like that. Like try to spend as much time together in that first year um, because marriage is really hard. Like people think like you're going to get married and then it's going to be magical. It's, everything's going to be so easy. and It's going to be so fun all the time. Um, and they also told us to not go to sleep angry at one another too. Um, and so I feel like those that combined for that first year of marriage was super important for us. Uh, that was probably the best piece of advice I've ever gotten. I'm not married, but I would definitely be putting that in my back, uh, back pocket for when the time comes. Yeah. <laughs> I love yeah. that. That sounds really good. I do mm-hmm. want to double back real quick. You said the the funny, smart, and rich question. So yeah. I was helping out a mentee recently with his mm-hmm. grad application. And that, for some, it was a random question that's on a grad application. But it was on there. And it, I thought it was such a good question. I've been asking everybody for the last week. And funny enough, yeah. almost everybody has seen the, said the exact same thing, that they will really? be funny. And I said the same thing. I said I'll be funny because yeah. I was like, well, you know, money comes and goes. So, like, if you're rich, it's, I don't know. But if you're smart, like you said, you can get money. You can figure yeah. out how to make money. But also, if you're not smart, then my question was, am I dumb? And if I'm dumb, how dumb is dumb? But yes. then uh, I went to what you were saying. Like, if I'm funny, then at that point, I can make money. And I can hire people to essentially, like, you know, take care of everything for me. And then being yeah. funny as joy to people's lives. So yes. that's kind of how I ended up with funny. Yeah. I love that. I love that thought process. (laughs) I'm just like, I've got my Instagram reels tuned in. The algorithm knows me. Like, I want to see the funny stuff. And I'm like looking at all these content creators and I'm just like, they've got it figured out, Mm y'all. I love it. I love it. So when you're on Instagram, you're like, you know what? Show me the entertainment. I don't want to see anything marketing related. Yes. That really, I'm just like... If I want to see marketing related stuff, I, mm-hmm. I hop onto the Ugly Mug marketing account and then I can like scroll through the content <laughs> there. Okay. Very I'm like, when I'm on my personal account, I want to see the funny stuff. I want to see the parenting stuff. Yes. Mm-hmm. Got the algorithm dialed in. <laughs> That's funny. Speaking of which, 340%, right? Yeah. Growth. That is amazing for anybody that may not understand marketing that much. That is phenomenal. So I just want to say shout out to you for doing that. That's Thank great. you. <laughs> How did you end up getting into marketing? Was that always something that when you were going through school, you're like, I know I want to be a marketer. How we end up here? No, it was it was quite the journey getting to this point um, in my life, in my career. When I initially started to ap- applying to college, I really had my heart set on um, DePaul University in Chicago. 
I grew up in Michigan. I had gotten a really generous scholarship uh, through my church and our local community foundation. And I knew that I needed to go to either Catholic school or needed to go to um, one of the other schools that the donors um, had affiliation with. And so at that time, I was like, I really want to go to a Catholic school. And so this is perfect. Um, and went to DePaul, visited umpteen million times. My parents were like, we are not going to Chicago one more time. Like, we get it. You want to go here. <laughs> and at the time, too, I really wanted to be a teacher. My mom is a mm-hmm. teacher. And I felt really passionate about impacting kids' lives in that way. Ended up not going to DePaul. Ended up at Aquinas College in Grand Rapids, Michigan. Just you know, 30, 45 minutes from where I grew up. And it was an amazing experience. I would not be the person that I am today without my experience at Aquinas. But in that freshman year, you're taking your gen ed courses and you're kind of figuring things out. You're not really taking anything specific for a major, but I remember going and sitting in on the education department uh, kind of seminar. And then immediately after that, going to the business department seminar. And I was like, I don't know. I felt immediately conflicted. I was like, I don't know if education's a route. I think at some point I might be in a classroom teaching, but I think it's going to look different than, or, you know, I have, I have that urge and that, that passion for teaching, but I don't think that's the route. I think it's going to be something else. Uh, so ended up switching my major to business fell in love with marketing, Um, had an amazing internship while I was in college as well with the Van Andel Institute, which is a cancer, uh, Parkinson's, and neurodegenerative disease research facility in Grand Rapids. And they had this huge creative marketing challenge. They were developing their kind of grassroots fundraising program, and they asked for the best marketing students from every college. And so my sophomore year, I got to participate in that, which I was truly honored that my advisor yeah, from from Aquinas nominated me to be a part of that because that completely then changed the trajectory too. Mm-hmm. Uh, I realized, hey, I, I'm really passionate about marketing. I'm really creative. I'm pretty good at it. And I'm really passionate about cancer research. Um, you know, I think they're it would be hard pressed to find somebody whose life has not been touched by cancer, either someone they know, friend or family member. Um, mm-hmm. And so I was like, all right, this is really cool. So junior year came around, ended up applying for the internship with Van Andel Institute, got that internship, was there for two years, and then ultimately got hired there after I graduated. So it really just kind of changed that whole, like from that point forward, like going to that seminar, being like, "Eh, I don't think it's education anymore. I think Mm -hmm. it's something in business. I don't know what it is yet to then getting plugged into that internship. And then ultimately that job was really cool too, because it was marketing, it was event planning, but ultimately it was still engaging with students. Mm. So, you know, if there was a pink out football game for breast cancer awareness, we were a part of that. Uh, And so getting to work with like the students on designing the t-shirts and helping them figure out how to raise the most funds and try to make it a competition between classes and being creative in that aspect. Uh, So still getting that opportunity to work with students was really cool. Um, And then from there, this is where I really had to overcome some imposter syndrome. Mm -hmm. And I think anybody who is working in the nonprofit space Mm -hmm. and they're making that transition from there into more of like the corporate world or 
stepping outside of it, you feel like your experience, at least I I did. I felt like my experience in the nonprofit world wasn't transferable. Mm. I felt like it wasn't going to translate well into, hey, I'm applying for this job with this marketing agency. Um, And I needed somebody to kind of take a chance on me. I knew that I could grow and I knew that I had the capacity and the drive to learn. But sometimes you feel like you're putting your resume in and you're just like, all right. Like I was literally like, Jesus, take the wheel. (laughs) If I get this job, (laughs) like, you know, then, then the Lord is positioning me in this place at this time. Like if it's, that's what he wants for me, then that's Mm going to happen for me. Um, and it ended up working out. And now I have been at Ugly Mug Marketing for almost, it'll be six years in January, which is just crazy. I feel like the time has completely flown by. But over that time, I've grown tremendously. Um, And today is National Bosses Day. Um, And so we have a fun reel that we just posted for our owner and founder of Ugly Mug Marketing, Wayne uh, Mullins. And I seriously attribute so much of my growth <laughs> mm-hmm. to to him. Like he's an excellent leader. Um, he's supported me. He really did take a chance on me. Y'all, I was like applying from Grand Rapids, Michigan to move to Alexandria, Louisiana. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he was probably like, Who is this girl? What is she? What is she about? She has this like nonprofit experience. You know, I just remember being so nervous too throughout the whole interview process. I'm like, I'm about to pick up my life. Mm-hmm. and move. <laughs> and it felt scary in all kinds of different ways, but yeah, now now here we are 6 years later and it's been a really fun journey. <laughs> mm. I love that. I I can yeah. relate to that so much in just different ways. One, I was the the one that was having the idea that I was going to major in something else. For me it started yeah. just a tad bit earlier. Because I, um, I ended up going to an early college. And so I okay. started taking my college classes while I was in high school. I wanted to be Amazing. An, uh, an engineer at first. I was like, I'm going to be a mechanical or electrical engineer. I'm going to do all this stuff, blah, blah, blah. And then I started taking my math classes. And I was just like, this is taking way too long. It was the math <laughs> homework just took me. Like, it wasn't that it was hard. It was just that it was long. Like, I was doing every step correctly. But I was just like. I don't want to spend the rest of my life doing this. And so ironically, at the same time, though, I ended up getting an internship in broadcast and television. And so I did it only because I I wanted to. They said they were going to give us free food every single day. And so I was just like, I want food. Sign me up. I'm hungry. It was during the (laughs) summer. They were like, you get to watch free baseball. I was just like, that's cool with me. I'm fine with it. And I ended up really loving it. And so I ended up staying on that path. Um, but as I continued to grow within the career and just like in general, because eventually I had that switch as well, that I went from, um, TV to marketing. That's where I work in now. I'm a marketer. Um, but I'm also a teacher because I teach, yeah. um, uh, college students. So yeah. when I started, I was just like, man, can I really transfer some of these skills that I had? as someone that was working in television, like as a broadcaster to marketing. 
And yeah. that's real. Like the same thoughts that you were having coming over, that, that's something that I think a lot of people have, especially if they're trying to switch careers. Um, yeah. People go through this all the time. They maybe been in their career five, 10 years. They're like, you know what? I don't want to do this for another, you know, 10, 20, 30 years. What were some of yeah. the, the decisions that you had to go through when you were like, you know what? This is going to be the jump that I'm going to make. Yeah. I think for me, I felt like it was still early enough mm-hmm. that someone would still be willing to take a chance on me. Um, and so I felt a little bit of confidence to like to make that jump, you mm-hmm. know, from the nonprofit world into marketing. Uh, I also think trying to learn as much as possible on my mm-hmm. own really helped me in that jump too. And I think that employers really value that someone who is a self starter and who is willing to dive in and learn on their own time. And so for me, that looked like we. We did marketing for all of our events, but there was also this kind of overarching, broader Van Andel Institute blanket. And so kind of picking those people's brains and trying to get into their world a little bit and trying to learn about, all right, what is a like campaign on Facebook and how does that work? I remember sitting in with the digital coordinator at the time and he was just explaining to me how it all worked. How, you know, how does he create the campaign? What kinds of special interests are we targeting in order to find people? And so I kind of took that a little bit, that experience of just like learning secondhand from him uh, and applied that to throughout my, like, you know, the application and interview process, like just saying, Hey, you know, wasn't a part of my job. I did not have to go and seek that out and not have to schedule a mm-hmm. meeting with him to learn that, you know, but I'm, that is something that I'm curious in and that I want to grow more in. Um, and so I think that that was really like important key piece of, of the journey. And I think that can be important for anyone's journey too. You know, my friend Allison, she just made the switch this year, like in the last couple of months from that nonprofit world into um, marketing agency space. Uh, And I think one thing for her was trying to network with as many people as possible. Like Mm. she had such a good community of people around her that she was like, you know what? I am just going to start reaching out. You know, I'm going to reach out to Rachel at Mm -hmm. Hello West Michigan. I'm going to reach out to this person. I'm going to see if they want to have coffee. I want to pick their brains about, you know, Hey, how did you transition? Or Mm. do you have, do you know, are there other people in your network that have made this jump from nonprofit into, you know, corporate America or, you, you know, what did that look like for them? And just trying to get coffee and connect with as many people as possible. And I think that was crucial in her successful jump from where she was to to the industry that she is in now. And I think we oftentimes forget about our networks. Mm -hmm. We forget that we know someone who might know someone else. You know, I think, I think sometimes we feel a little cringe on LinkedIn, right? We don't want to just shoot that person a message or, Oh, I haven't talked to them in a couple of years. People are so willing to have coffee and just chat and let you pick their brain, even if it's Mm -hmm. virtually for 30 minutes. Um, I have sometimes students from Aquinas College reach out to me and they're like, hey, you know, Professor So-and-so told me about you. Um, Would you be, you know, I just want to connect with you on LinkedIn. And I'm like, yes, like, please, let's connect. Like, 
how can I help you? What, like, what's going on in your world? Do you have an internship? Can I help plug you in somewhere else? You know, people are so much more willing to help and to just chat than we think. And so I think that's another important piece. So, so being willing to learn and, and be a self-starter, uh, but then, you know, also utilizing and taking advantage of your network too is really important. I would love to go deeper on that because I, you've probably heard at one point, people always say, do you, if you hang around, what was it? Five millionaires, you'd be the six, essentially something like that. You ever heard that quote? No, I haven't heard that okay. quote. So I, I want to say that's it. It's either six or seven, but if you hang around five millionaires, you'd be the six. So essentially okay. the people that you hang around, you will eventually become them. Right. Yep. So yeah. in this case, reaching out to your network of marketers, you will eventually become a marketer. Yes. How, you know, she is your friend. You're a marketer. Mm-hmm. She wasn't a marketer. <clears throat> and she yeah. eventually found her way to become a marketer. In terms of figuring out your environment, sometimes, like you were saying, those people have a network of people, but they maybe don't know how to reach out. And that could be something that stops a lot of people because they don't know how to get that conversation going. Maybe they're nervous. Yeah. Like you were saying, they're having all these thoughts that are going through their head. Just, I have no idea what to say, where they're going to think about me, all this type of stuff. If somebody is going to reach out on LinkedIn, text, phone call, whatever it is, what is some of the conversation starters do you think that could get a, a, a genuine, I'm going to say a genuine conversation going? Yeah, I think people love to talk about themselves. And so even though they say that they don't like to talk about themselves, it's the easiest thing you can talk about, right? Mm -hmm. Like I know what my journey has been for me personally. I could sit here and talk all day about my journey and my experience at Aquinas College Mm -hmm. and the things that I was involved in. I know that's the story that I know best. And there's so much value in just asking someone to share their story. Mm -hmm. Hey, I'm connecting with you on LinkedIn. I saw you also went to Aquinas College and I see that you're in marketing. I would just love to grab a virtual coffee with you and pick your brain about what your journey has been like and what your career trajectory. I'm looking to get into this space and just want to connect with other like-minded people. I think that's a great piece. Like that's a great, that's a great message to send to somebody. Uh, cause again, they're more, they're more likely to, to help you than you think that they are. And I think having that connection too, even if your connection isn't that we went to the same school or Mm -hmm. maybe it's that we live in the same area. I saw your marketer in the Raleigh Durham area. Um, or, Hey, I saw that, uh, we have this mutual connection. I I'm really close with, you know, so-and-so person. And I talked with them and they said, you'd be a great person for me to connect with on this. Um, because I think that's still being genuine, right? Mm-hmm. And there are so many questions that then you can ask as someone is sharing their story with you. And mm-hmm. so just just asking them to share about their lives and their experiences with you, I think is a great, great conversation starter. It doesn't have to be you come in and you have all these questions <laughs> that you want to ask them prepared and it's going to end with you asking them if you can get a job or an internship or, you know, something like that. Yeah. It, it can be just really organic. Tell me about your life. Like, tell me how you got to this point uh, in your career. What are some things that you wish you would have done differently mm. in getting here? What are some mistakes 
maybe that you made that you would tell other people to not make, you know, maybe, maybe that was not a good learning curve. <laughs> you don't want someone to go down that same path. Uh, those are the, that's kind of how that conversation just organically will grow. Those will be some of the questions maybe you ask along, along that 30 minute, uh, time frame that you have with them or that hour coffee chat, whether it's in person or virtually, uh, so yeah, that would be my my best tip to people when they're reaching out to networks. Uh, and you know what? The asking is free. The worst <laughs> they can say is no or just not true. respond. And that's okay, you know, but reach out to 10 people and who knows, you could have 10 coffee dates or you could have two coffee dates. There's going to be value. None. It's better than none. It's better than none. I'm yeah, my dad always, my dad always used to say that. He'd be like, the asking's free, Hannah. Worst thing they can say is no. I'm like, all right. That's true. That's what I'm rolling with. (laughs) I'm going to play a reverse card on you real quick. What are some of the mistakes that you've done that you would encourage somebody not to do? Since you just brought it up. Yeah, mistakes (laughs) that I've made. Ooh. Um, When I think about mistakes that I have made, I think I've. I I always default to situations that maybe I had uh, or conversations that I had with an employee where I feel like I did not clearly communicate my expectations or maybe um, I didn't clearly – I didn't give feedback in a very constructive or productive way. one thing that I feel like I struggle with a lot in leadership is when someone comes to me and they ask me <clears throat> a question, um, I want to immediately give them an answer. <laughs> That's like the easiest thing that we can do as human beings, though. Instead of forcing that person to kind of have to think on their own, it's so much easier to just give them the answer, right? Like, oh, here's what you do. But what you're doing is you're you're taking away that learning opportunity for them. Um, you're you're not giving them. You're thinking for them. You're doing the thinking for them. They're coming to you and they're saying, "Hey, I have this challenge or whatever. What do I do?" And you're saying, "Oh, do this." So then they're going to become dependent on you over time, right? Because they're going to think every time I have a question, I get to go to Hannah. She's going to answer it for me, and I don't even have to think twice about it, right? But I don't want my team to become dependent on me, right? And I think early on in my career, you know, I had had interns that, you know, reported to me when I was at Van Andel Institute. But when I stepped into my role at Ugly Mug Marketing, I was just a team of one. And I remember I hired my first employee. And every single time he had a question, I answered it. Or I was like, hey, this is how you do it. This is how you need to do it. And I realized during his, the time that he was with us, I was like, he is so dependent on me. He is not, I get frustrated with him because I feel like he's not like thinking for himself or trying to figure it out. And I'm like, but it's because I've been answering every single question for him. I have not been turning around back to him. And instead of when he sends me, you know, an ad for feedback, Hey, Hannah, what do you, what do you think about this copy? What do you think about this creative? I'm like, oh, well, here's what I think about it. Blah, 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 blah. Here's all my edits. Instead, I'm, I'm, I should be saying, well, what do you think about it? Well, what's the client's goal? Okay. That's their goal. Do you think that this ad is going to help them achieve that goal? If their goal is to have 10 new booked appointments every single week, 
is this ad, is this creative, is this copy going to help them get to new appointments? For Like flipping the question, answering the question with a question every single time. So I think that's probably one of the biggest mistakes that I made early on in my career as I was becoming a leader and somebody who had, you know, or manager, someone who had someone reporting to them. I was just answering all the questions and really I just needed to be asking the same question back. I don't know. What do you think about that? That (laughs) And yeah. And I think, you know, Wayne, my boss does a really good job of that. He's always like, I don't know. What do you think? And then I'm like, well, I think blah, 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 blah. And he's like, okay, I agree with you. Like (laughs) run with that. And I'm like, oh, okay. Are you sure? (laughs) (laughs) Are you sure? What if it does, what if it doesn't turn out good? I don't know. Accurate. (laughs) My boss does the same thing. That's hilarious. Yeah. Yeah, I have um, myself been growing in the leadership manager role for the first time for mm. about the last seven months. And yeah. that what you just said was a gym. But in terms of like imposter syndrome, I don't know about you, but when I first realized that I was an actual manager in this position <laughs> slash like I'll say manager because I'm I'm fine with being a leader. I'm fine with being comfortable being a leader. But when they were like, yeah, you're the manager of XYZ, I was just like, me, me. Yeah. You're going to, you want me to be, do you know who I am? I don't know. I don't know if you want that. (laughs) And so that's something that I've been growing in myself, uh, just being comfortable with being just a manager of of a team. And Mm -hmm. for somebody that's stepping into a managerial role, or they may be looking at a job and it may say like, oh, you need one year of manager experience or two year manager experience. And as you were saying earlier, sometimes you have to just take that leap of faith and apply for stuff that's out of the skills or experience that you have. But yeah, you have to almost have some sort of experience to eventually be a manager, right? Nobody mm-hmm. just gets, well, sometimes a first job as a manager. How yeah. was it for you when you were officially in that manager role and they're like, hey, you have interns now? Like, what was the thought process for you? Like, were you like, oh my gosh, like, I, I don't know what to do with them. I don't know what to say to them. How was that for you? I, I was like, I don't know what I'm doing. So mm. how am I supposed to tell someone? You know, like you have that moment of like, well, wait, I have just been winging it this whole time. Um, And so, cool. It's going to be the blind leading the blind out here. <laughs> like we're, whoo, I'm nervous. Um, I think, I think I felt, I felt this pressure that no one was putting on me but myself mm. when, when I had the interns at my first job that I needed to have all of the answers and that I needed to know everything and that I needed to be perfect. And I, and I needed to do everything just so, because at the end of the day, and I do still believe this, you're leading by example. You can't tell somebody we value being on time for every meeting, being late is unacceptable. And then you show up as the leader, the manager late to every meeting, right? Like that's not acceptable. Um, But I think like at that time, I was like, every time they have a problem, like I need to have the exact solution. And so that was what was built. That that was what was in me. And that's also what my leader at the time was doing too. Anytime I had a question, like, you know, she was constantly correcting me, which I don't blame her for that whatsoever. But 
that's just what she had learned too, right? Like we're just constantly a product of the environment, like you said earlier, that we're putting ourselves in. So that's what maybe what how she was led and developed into a manager. That's kind of how she was like leading and guiding me at the time. Um, and so I think that that like shift in mindset really happened for me when I got to Ugly Mug, but it was like all of a sudden I didn't have interns again. Like all of a sudden I was kind of like flying solo again. So I went from like having interns and feeling like everything had to be just so, and I needed to have the answers and I didn't really know what I was doing and lots and lots of imposter syndrome of like, okay, like they're interns, but I'm like only a year older than them too. I think like when you're, you're first starting out too, like you're like, okay, but I only have one more year of experience than you have. Like I'm not really that much older. Like when you think about a manager, it's like you think someone who's like older and wiser and has years under their belt. And that may not necessarily always be the case. And so, yeah, making that jump to ugly mug, I was like, all right. I'm the social media manager, but I am a team of one. And then hiring that first employee, I was like, okay, like what do I, what does leadership mean to me? What's the difference between being a leader and a manager too? We talk about that a ton at Ugly Mug of like, we're all leaders. Anybody can be a manager, right? But we want to grow leaders, people who are leading by example, um, not people who are just responsible for man- micro- managing and then end up micromanaging and, you know, things, things like that. Cause yeah. that's a dangerous slippery slope. Um, but how can we grow, how can we grow leaders? I feel like I got so far off your question, but you're, you're fine. <laughs> that's just, that's just where my, my train of thought was going. <laughs> no, that's real. That there are so many things I, I want to touch on with that. I'm going to put this question, I'm going to say it now so I don't forget and you you hear it. So hopefully you don't forget either <laughs> and we can circle yeah. back to it later. But the question uh, was, are you still putting pressure on yourself now? Mm. Because when it comes to perfectionism, that's where that comes from, from so from or some people, excuse me, that they want, they have so much pressure on them, maybe on themselves or from maybe a, a leader or maybe family and it causes them to want to be perfect. So that was one thing that popped in my head when you said mm. that. Um, but the other thing was that is so true about, you know, you may sometimes only have one more year of experience or you may be the youngest in the room. And I I felt that myself in TV. Typically I have always either been the youngest on a broadcast team or the only person of color. And so Mm. I never saw myself anywhere I went. And in terms of me right now as a manager, if I'm not mistaken, I'm probably the youngest person. Like everybody that mm-hmm. I, I'm a, a manager of, they're all older than me. And they've also been in marketing probably about two times longer than I have. And so that's why I'm just like, oh my gosh, like, yeah, y'all really going to, y'all coming to me for help or questions or that's, it's crazy. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But yeah, I just I wanted to say that real quick, but I did want to ask you that question because the pressure is real. It is. Yes. Yeah. It it almost feels like your the stakes feel so high, but you have set that standard and that expectation for yourself, right? Mm-hmm. For me, I think growing up. I always put a lot of pressure on myself. And I think 
I also had this like complex of like trying to like get approval from my parents, like especially my dad. I think I always had this thing with him that I was like trying to impress him and I was trying to be good kid and have good head on my shoulders. And if you ask anybody who knew me in high school and even in college and maybe a little bit now, I think of <laughs> I was like I, I was involved in everything. Like I was class president, student body president, part of like National Honor Society. I was doing this. I was the captain of the soccer team. I was the captain of the cross country team. I was out here. I was playing sports year round, going to camps, like tutoring. Like I was doing, you know, I was super involved in my church. I was teaching Sunday school. I mean, all all day Sunday, I was at church. Like my parents would be like, drop me off. I'd go to the nine o'clock service by myself, teach at the 11 o'clock service. And then I'd be there like helping plan some retreat for middle schoolers. Like it was crazy. It was crazy. The stakes felt so high. Like I wanted to be able to have the best college application. I wanted to be able to list, like have so many more community service hours than the next person. Like I wanted to, like just constantly mm. striving, 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 striving. Sometimes I look back and I'm like, I'm so grateful that I was like that. But then now as an adult, I've been going through this season of like, do I like this because I like the praise on the other side of it? Or do I like this because I'm good at it? Or do I like this because I actually really enjoy it? <laughs> you know? And I think that that pressure that I was putting on myself all of those years to be perfect, to be involved, to do the right thing, to do, you know, to be involved in X, Y, and Z, like, I think that that really shaped me into the person that I am today and I am grateful for it. But I think there is kind of this like this flip side of like, ooh, <laughs> like who am I? Like I think I let a lot of those things at the time to define who I was as a person as well. Like I'm Hannah the leader. I'm Hannah the overachiever. I'm Hannah, you know, this, like yeah. I am – I am the captain of the soccer team. Like that, like I put that hat on. That's who I am. Mm -hmm. Who am I outside of those things? Like outside of those titles, outside of being involved with that. Um, I think that's been like a really big thing in my life now. Like I'm like, hello, 30. Like <laughs> I'm having this like whole self-discovery journey of like, you know, who, who am I? And I want to kind of come back to like, being the youngest person in the room, being the only person of color. I, you know, growing up too, like I was the only, like one of very few Hispanic Mexican American people in, at the school that I went to. And so yes, constantly being like, there's no one else that looks like me. Like there's no one like I, that resonates with me too. And I think like in every job that I've had to, I've been like, Hmm. There's no one like I want to have. I want to like. I know that their diversity is so much more than just the color of your skin, right? And like your your race or your ethnicity. But I'm like that has been so important to me. Like I'm like I want more people like me at the table. Like I I want our team like at Ugly Mug to be more diverse. Like how do we, you know, our team used to be a 
bunch of white people, <laughs> right? And so it's like, how do we seek out other people? Like, how do we expand our network to, to make it so that we are being more inclusive? Or how do we be intentional about that? And I remember having a conversation um, with someone who was in Louisiana. Um, she was a lawyer. Uh, she was an African-American lawyer. She was taking over the firm from a uh, a gentleman who was a very well-known lawyer. Uh, he was white and he was passing the firm off to her. And I was like, girl, like, how are you navigating that? Like, you're, you are an excellent leader. You're going to lead this firm. Well, you have the qualifications, you have the experience, but still feeling that like imposter syndrome or that like nervousness solely because maybe because you're a woman or maybe because you're African-American or, you know, whatever it may be, like, how are you overcoming that? And, you know, it was like really inspiring for me to hear how she was like, stepping into that role with confidence. But part of it was because he was stepping in and saying, I trust this person, right? Like this person is capable. They've been working here. They have the qualifications. She's going to take as good a care of these clients, if not better than, you know, like that trust that he had in her, like really helped like her catapult into success in that role. But one of the things I was picking her brain about is like, how do we go and recruit people to come to our company without them feeling like, I just want you on my team because I need another like Mexican girl on this team with me. You know, like, like how do we do it in such a way that they, and also we want to find the most qualified person, right? Like, and so how do we find the most qualified person while also expanding our network to people who look different than us, like right now? And so like her whole thing was like, just reach out to like your friends and family who, you know, look like you Mm -hmm. and say, Hey, I'm hiring for this role. Do you know anybody like, or, you know, I sang in choir at a church that was probably like, I would say our church was probably like 70% African-American, like very diverse church, Mm -hmm. but I was probably like 70% African-American. She was like, why don't you reach out to your worship leader and say, hey, you know, April, do you know anybody who might be interested in a marketing role? She was like, reach out to your connections. Like that's going to be the best too, like getting that referral. Like she was like, your worship leader is probably not going to send you somebody who's not qualified or somebody that they don't know or trust or someone who has good character, but like being intentional about doing it that way. Because if we keep posting the job in the same place, in the same space, Mm -hmm. we're going to get more and more of the same type of applicant, right? Like, and I'm like, I want to expand our network. That was like one of the things that I wrote in my vision statement. At Ugly Mug. And that was something really cool exercise that we did as a company was every single department head wrote a vision for what they wanted their department to be like. So I remember sitting there typing. I was like, it's April, you know, 13th, 2023. Like, this is what I'm doing. Like, I am currently this. This is what our team looks like. This is, you know, and and I look at our team now and I'm like, yes, we have we have more women on our team. We have more people of color as a company on our team. I'm like, that's awesome. Like, you know, like we made that a priority. We networked. We found that we found qualified people. We we were intentional about it. Like, I just think that's that's so cool. Like, and I think now too, like we're growing them to be leaders. 
right? And we're going to attract more and more people like that to, to come to our company. You know, and we think about that when it comes to clients too. Like our clients want to come here and they want to see people that reflect them and their business or their, their, their passions. Their, you know, I'm like, we need to have a diverse group of employees because we want to attract a diverse group of clients, right? Like that, you, you can't do that if if you're not reflecting that in your business already. So I just wanted to touch on that because that's something I'm super passionate about. Uh, I, I love that. And it's so true. It's, it's very true. Uh, it, it helps when you step into an environment and you see somebody that you feel as if that could possibly relate to you in ways that other people yes. can't. Um, yes. Because even though, like you said, you know, diversity doesn't just mean, you know, a person's skin color. But yeah. at the same time, that still has a lot of relatability for the way that either people grow up or they the way mm-hmm. that they experience life today. Um, so mm-hmm. you know, it's it's still equally important. One thing that you yeah. said with the the lawyer, what was it? April? Was her name April? Uh, no, her name's Ingrid. Ingrid, Ingrid. Okay, you didn't yeah. say her name. Yeah. April. I never said her name, oh, but yeah, oh, okay. but that's her name. <laughs> My bad. I don't know why. I know you said April 13th. That's I was, April was the, yeah, April was my worship leader. Okay. So I didn't oh, say that. Okay. That's where I got April from. You said yeah. one thing was that she had the confidence, right? And yeah. that's something that I find that helps with some people to be able to overcome that imposter syndrome. Yes. Is having confidence. If you've been given the opportunity to do something, right? Somebody, somebody has the confidence in you. They believe that you have the skill yes. set. So wrapping up here today, yeah, I, I want you to have a teacher moment almost, right? You know, imagine that it's 11 a.m. back, you know, on Sunday and you're teaching uh, in the church. What is one thing, one parting takeaway that you will give somebody about how to grow your confidence? How to grow your confidence. Hmm. Gosh, I feel like for me, I talked about my confidence and my identity used to come from the things that I was doing, right? Like I was involved in this. I've accomplished this. I've grown the department 340% over the last, you know, however many years. Mm -hmm. Like I think knowing who you are outside of those things is what allows you to have confidence. Like for me personally, my faith has been a crucial role in every single steps of these journey, like of my journey. I've been like, all right, Lord, like, where do you want me? Where do you want to position me? Where do you want to place me? Like going into an interview and feeling not qualified, but being like, hey, at the end of the day, I am here for a reason, right? Mm-hmm. Like I have been placed here. I've been positioned here for good. It is it is intentional. My highest calling is being a part, like being a child of God, like that. that is my identity. Like if I'm stepping into the room at the end of the day, that is baseline who I am. And having that identity outside of I'm a mom, outside of I'm a, I'm a good leader or I'm like, that gives me personally the confidence that I need to step into any space. And I think 
that that has ultimately been at the end of the day, if I've felt not confident, if I have prayed about it or gotten down on me and say, Lord, like I, I don't feel qualified. I don't feel like this is where I'm so, you know, I'm scared. I've been like that, that relief has been given to me, right? Like he has taken that burden off my shoulders and he has told me you are here for a reason. I've positioned you here for good. What will be, will be. Mm -hmm. And here's the plan. And so for me, I think that confidence, that faith, having something to lean on like that is so important in life in general, in your career. Like it it has shaped me, given me the confidence to to be able to sit here and have this conversation today. That would be my parting wisdom. that faith, no matter what it is, I'm not here to judge no, anybody on whatever that is, but that faith, that confidence, knowing who you are outside of whatever it is that you're trying to achieve, that's going to be what you need to catapult you into the next season, into that next thing, to make that transition. Mm-hmm. Um, just knowing deeply who you are, what you're rooted in. Um, yeah, that's that's my, my parting tip. <laughs> and lastly, how can someone find you and how can they support you? Ooh, find me on any of the Ugly Mug social channels. Um, you're always going to see my face there. Uh, so at Ugly Mug Marketing on Instagram, on LinkedIn, on Facebook. You can find me on LinkedIn. I'm still my maiden name on LinkedIn. So Hannah Acosta is where you can search and find me on LinkedIn. Would love to connect with anybody, whether you are just trying to find a new connection in the Raleigh-Durham area, trying to connect with another marketer. Hey, if you went to Aquinas College and you're listening to this podcast, amazing. Would love to connect with you that way too. Um, Yeah, that's where you can find me and support. Amazing. Well, thank you so much for getting this amazing week starting off with us. Again, y'all, this has been Mm -hmm. another episode of Verifying Phenoms. If you enjoyed this episode, make sure you share it out to about three people, bare minimum, right? Because there are a lot of gems dropped today by Hannah, a lot of them. So if you feel as if somebody else can find some value from this conversation, by all means, share it with them, save it, all that type of stuff. And we will catch you all in the very next episode. See ya.